Hello everyone, my name is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance and welcome to the Clever Girl Snow podcast. So my guest today is Nicole Hatcher and Nicole paid off almost $100,000 mostly in student loans, which is an incredible accomplishment. Nicole is a money coach, a podcaster, YouTuber, and a personal finance blogger. And in 2015 was when she made that final payment on that nearly $100,000 of student loan debt and she's now on a mission to promote financial literacy. She's committed to helping busy professional women discover the beauty of financial freedom so that they can work less and live more, which is basically what she's doing now. And so I had a really great conversation with Nicole. She talked about how she came to the realization that her loans needed to be paid off quickly, the specific things that she did to pay off those loans, how she stayed motivated and kept her mindset in check. And she also shared some really key tips, especially around Around managing your food budget. And so this was such a fun conversation. You'll hear us laughing a lot as usual with all my guests. You know, the topic of money is such a serious one that sometimes if you can't find humor in it, listen, you're going to cry. <laughs> so we had a great time talking. But before we get into this episode, if you haven't already stopped by Clever Girl Finance, stop by. We just turned on some really awesome free resources and they include things like access to our book club, free worksheets, and access to resources to help you improve your credit or even plan a wedding. So stop by clevergirlfinance.com and check out those free resources and be sure to share them with your best girlfriends as well. Also, if you haven't already picked up your copy of the Clever Girl Finance book, what are you waiting for? (laughs) I highly encourage you to pick up a copy of this book and also get the Clever Girl Finance Roadmap, which is also on the website, which can be a great accompaniment to this book to help you as you work through each of your financial milestones. It basically is going to guide you through our six key components on the things you should be doing to achieve your own financial wellness. We also have a ton of really great videos on our YouTube channel. So that's youtube.com slash clevergirlfinance. And there is a new video on the channel every Sunday morning where I'm talking about money tips. And occasionally I do a Q&A video that I put up there during the week. So stop by our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at clevergirlfinance. And finally, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or you are new to the podcast and you haven't yet subscribed, please do. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and be sure to head on over to iTunes if you're loving the podcast to leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Okay, so let's get into this episode with Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Bola. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. (laughs) Yeah, and I am super excited to share your amazing journey to becoming debt-free with the Clever Girl Finance audience and the listeners of this Clever Girls Know podcast. And your journey is, you know, one that is really inspiring and amazing. You have paid off over $130,000 of debt, which is incredible. And a lot of our listeners are in that space where they're trying to get a handle on their debt, create a plan and get to the other side of their debt so they can start accelerating, pursuing their big financial goals. So we're going to talk about all of that. And um, but before we start, I would love for you to tell everybody who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Nicole. Online, people know me under the brand Frugal Chic Life. 
Um, basically, I'm just a regular person. I'm not a personal finance expert, quote unquote. I'm just a mother of three, a wife. Uh, during my everyday life, I'm a physician assistant, so I work clinically. And then on the side, I'm a personal finance nerd. I just love everything personal <laughs> finance. So that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. And you have a really awesome YouTube channel where you share, you know, a lot of content, you know, videos on your, the things you do with finances and inspiration and motivation for other people. So that's really awesome too. Thank you so much. So let's kind of get into your story, right? So you had this student loan debt and I'm assuming that coming out of college, you also then went on to get, you know, car loan, et cetera. And so what was that? Where were you or how are you feeling? Or what was the transition point in your life where you're like, okay, Nicole, it's time to get rid of this debt. What, <laughs> what led up to that point? Well, how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I want to accelerate paying off this debt as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. So for me, I've always been a very goal-oriented person, and education has always been a big thing for me. So I knew coming out of high school that, you know, education was the way for me to go. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, Mm -hmm. kind of inner city, you know, teenage parents, that whole deal. And for me, education was a way of escape. But nobody ever really talked to me about how to finance it, how to pay for it, all of those things to get prepared. So I did fairly okay in school and, you know, went to undergrad. But when I was in undergrad, I knew at that moment that I wanted to pursue even higher education than that. And I made this Mm -hmm. audacious goal of getting my doctorate (laughs) by the time I was 30. Don't ask me where I pulled that. (laughs) By the time I'm 30, I'm going to be finished my master's degree and have a doctorate. And I actually ended up doing that. But the thing, yeah, so I mean, it was amazing. I accomplished those goals. I checked the boxes, but I wasn't really thinking about the financial repercussions of it. Mm -hmm. So to set the stage, it was 2010, was it? Yeah, 2010. I just just shot my 30th birthday. So really that that moment was, okay, I'm walking across the stage. I'm six months pregnant or so uh, with my second child. You're making fairly good money in my career. I've accomplished these goals that I set out to, but now I have all of this debt and I need Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to repay it. And I was kind of living my life in a way that, you know, the student loans weren't really a real issue because it was kind of intangible. It wasn't really real for me because I wasn't having to pay it back in that moment. So in the interim, prayed with my second child. I had a luxury car that I purchased with no money down. My husband and I had just purchased a a brand new townhouse, new construction townhouse with very little money down. And now here I am six months pregnant, scared that I have to sit down and calculate these numbers. So that was really the first moment when I said, you know what? I need to just, you know, I can't bury my head in the sand anymore. I have to really figure out what is going on here because there are just too many moving parts. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you're in this space where you've identified how much debt you owe. Um, You know, you've, I'm assuming, created this um, plan of attack with your husband, you know, and I'd love for you to share some of the specific things that you did, like to... Mm -hmm pay off your debt. And if you don't mind sharing, like, you know, just how you went through the motions and like, you know, how did you plan what percentage of your paycheck and were there specific things that you did? Did you refinance? Did you do any of those things to help you get to that point where number one, you paid off your student loans and then number two, you paid off those really high car car loans also? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, the first thing that I realized as I was adding everything up, tallying everything up, I figured out how much I owed on the student loans. I knew how much I still owed on my car. And I just kind of had to say, let me look at my income, what I'm making right now. And I was making fairly good money as a certified physician assistant. I was making pretty decent money. But what I realized was that I was making enough money to cover all the minimum payments on everything. I could pay back my student loans according to the schedule that they came up with. And I'd be paying back these student loans for a really, really long time, like up until the point where my own children would be getting ready to go off to college. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, okay. Student loan mortgage. <laughs> yes. And with two, you know, with, with two small kids, well, you know, the second one on the way, a huge daycare bill. Like at that time, my daycare bill, after I gave birth to, the, to my second daughter, my daycare bill was more than our mortgage at the time. So you have all of these things in place. And I said, okay, my husband's working. I'm working. We're a two-income household at that point. But we're making just enough to maybe put a little bit aside in retirement and make all of these minimum payments and just kind of stay afloat. But we'll never be able to get ahead financially. So first off, the biggest thing for me was to really start figuring out where exactly my money was going. So I made a plan to kind of scale back on some expenses. One big thing for us was food. We were spending a massive amount of money more food at this time. So fast forward a few months, the baby's born. My other daughter, our other daughter's two and a half at that time. And my husband and I are two relatively small adults, right? We're not, (laughs) but we're spending over a thousand dollars a month on food. And that's a combination of groceries as well as dining out. And I'm like, why is it that four small people are eating this amount of food each month? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the first areas that I started to attack was really to chop down that grocery budget and get in control of the money that was already coming in. But as I said, I knew that wasn't going to really get us ahead financially. So in addition to making those cuts, making sure I knew where the money was going that we we were currently bringing in, I knew I had to prioritize also earning more money. So it was kind of like those two different things, being a better steward over the money that I was currently making, and then also coming up with strategies for being able to increase my income as well. And that's where those degrees finally started to really come in, come in you know, handy because I was essentially within five years time able to double my income. Um, so that was like a major, major thing for me. But the caveat was that I had to make sure that I was really not elevating my lifestyle with this new money coming in, but yeah. that I was intentionally putting it towards paying down the debt. And that's what really allowed me to accelerate the debt payoff process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for anyone who's new to the podcast, you hear me laughing, you may hear the guests laughing, um, but, you know, it's a serious topic that we're going over. However, you know, I feel like if you can't look at something, look back on something and laugh about it, especially when it's something as dire as $100,000 student loans, then you're going to cry. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd rather laugh than cry. Absolutely. Any day. <laughs> so any you will day. hear a lot of laughing on this podcast, right? Oh, yeah. So, so you know, like you, you talked about food being a big part of something you had to take control of. And that's something that I feel like, I hear this, even myself, I've talked on this podcast about my grocery budget. Like, it's just, you know, something that I'm always working on. And so many people tell me about, you know, like when they actually sit down and they look at their average spending last three months or they use a spending journal for a month, the one thing that always stands out to them in terms of just like spending, so put aside like your core bills, right? Your your debt repayment, your mortgage, mm-hmm. all those things is food. 
is eating out. And a lot of people don't realize it until they actually make the concentrated effort to look at where that money is going. Mm-hmm. And in the Clever Girl Finance Group yesterday, somebody posted a number that you, if you want to know how to waste $10,000 a year, all you have mm. to do is spend $27 and I think 22 cents. I don't know if that's the exact number, but something along those lines. And somebody in the comment said, oh my God, that is literally buying breakfast at work, mm. lunch, mm-hmm. a snack, and then maybe something on the way home. It's very easy. Oh yeah. And that's Extremely. like all food. <laughs> Yeah, you know, something that is, is necessary for life, but it's that, it's that you know, fine line between, okay, yes, I have to have food for myself and my family, but, you know, your extra expensive coffees and for me, smoothies, you know, those are not <laughs> necessary to life. Like, you have food at home that you can eat. But yeah, people underestimate how much food really impacts yep. their finances, you know, and there's also the social component to it. You know, yes. we socialize a lot around food. Um, So, you know, people don't often realize it, but it's one of the big three behind your housing and your transportation. Sometimes it's even neck and neck with people's transportation costs, you know, food and transportation. So those are the big three, which is, you know, that's an area that I always tell people to focus on first. Most of us are not really going to be willing to just go out and downsize our house right away or even trade in the car and get something cheaper. But your food is something that you can make an immediate change in like today. You can make a change today and start saving money on your food. Yeah. And I even caught myself last week because, you know, one of the things I do is I drop my kids at school and then sometimes I go to grocery shopping as soon as I drop them. Mm -hmm. And this day last week, I decided to go to the grocery store right by their school. It's a chain that I know is expensive, but I didn't want to drive to my typical, my regular grocery store where I I know like where everything is. I was like, I'll just go to the store real quick. I have a meeting. And in my head, I was like, I know the store is more expensive, but I was like, how much more expensive can it be? So I go in there, I buy the few things I need and I'm like, I'm not going to buy everything on my list. I'm just going to buy everything I need for today and tomorrow and, you know, in between all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I come out and I have like three small bags and I've spent $104.23. And I sit down (laughs) and I'm, you know, my, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, boy, you, you definitely overpaid for these groceries. And I get home and I look at my receipt and I start looking at the items because, you know, I get, you know, like that. And I was like, if I had just driven the extra for 10 minutes mm. my own grocery store I would have saved myself 60 bucks and that's a lot of money right yeah, and so sometimes absolutely. the com- just the convenience even costs us more because that 10 minutes okay let's say 15 minutes right I just lost 60 bucks and mm-hmm. it almost I almost was going to go return those groceries because if <laughs> this podcast long enough you know that I have no shame in that game but I was like, okay, boy, get your life together. By the time you drive 20 minutes back to your kid's school, you're going to miss the meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I just let it go. But it's things like that, that, you know, you're buying the same groceries, but you're overpaying. It's not always going to eat out with your friends. You know, it's just sometimes just planning, like, you mm-hmm. know, where you're going to purchase your food and like just having that game plan ahead of time, which I didn't have. Just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, very, very important. You know, for me, a big thing was minimizing the number of grocery trips that I made during the week because Mm -hmm. I just inevitably would end up getting additional stuff that, oh, that looks nice. Or now I'm kind of hungry when I'm in the store. So now I got a bunch of snacks and, you know, for me, Haagen-Dazs ice cream will inevitably end up in that (laughs) cart. So, you know, so it's a big deal. So, you know, making a change right there, just saying, okay, I'm only going to go to the grocery store once per week. And, you know, if I don't, 
have something in my pantry, then I'm just going to work around it. I'll make something else for dinner. So, you know, those little small changes really do make a big deal. And another thing for me was not taking my kids or my husband with me to the grocery store because I always get way more money when I'm with them. So that's a no-no. That's a no-no for me anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing worse than, you know, going to buy all this food and then having to throw it away. That hurts my soul. Oh, Yes. I know, not because it, it's wasteful, but I also know that, you know, there's people who don't have this. Mm. So, um, yeah, I try to minimize that as best as I can. Like sometimes I will force myself to eat stuff because it's not going in the trash. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another thing for me is being realistic about, you know, who my family is. Like my family, they're a bunch of leftover snobs. They do not like leftovers. <laughs> I have tried and tried my hardest, but it's just not going to happen. So I'm like, Nicole, stop trying to force it. If they're not going to eat leftovers, you know, and for me, I I don't want to eat the same thing five days in a row. I might do three, but five, I had to draw the line. So I had to get realistic about what my family is willing to do. If they're not willing to eat a bunch of leftovers, then I need to start making smaller portions so that this food doesn't just sit in there. And then now I'm resentful because I wanted them to eat the leftovers to save myself time and money, but it's just not happening. So I had to make that adjustment as well and realize that they are just a family that doesn't like a lot of leftovers. So make smaller portions, make enough so that we can eat it tonight and be done with it. And then that way I'm not giving everybody the evil eye when they walk past the leftovers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going on about this food topic, but like you said, food is one of the biggest parts of people's budgets. And so if you're listening to this and you, you know, it's something that you've been ignoring or like, how much can it possibly co- cost? I highly recommend you to, just pull out your bank statements or get a spending journal and start to track how much you're spending eating out and also on groceries. And once you figure out what your numbers are, create a challenge for yourself. Okay, how can I cut this by 10%, 15%, 20% by going to a different store, by packing lunch, by you know going to a cheaper restaurant? It's okay to eat out. It's okay to hang out with your friends, but try to plan your budget around this so that you are not like, so that's not that biggest category in your budget when you can be putting that extra money towards your debt like you did, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's great advice. So you had to have had, how long, so how many years did it take for you to pay off your student loans and your car notes? Mm-hmm. I want to say it was just under five years. So in that five-year period, you had to have had some days <laughs> where like, you know what? I'm going out shopping. I want to spend money. I can't stand this debt, but you know what? I want to do me. Mm-hmm. And how did you just, how did you get past that? How did you keep yourself on the path? Or how did you even recover from those days where you're like, okay, I'm going to spend money and I don't care because I'm tired? Well, really for me, because I'm so goal-oriented, I honestly, once I had that moment when I was like, you know what, something's got to change. I really didn't struggle with the shopping, the impulse shopping as much. Like before I gave into it, um, you know, wholeheartedly. And I was just like, I work hard. I'm going to play hard. I was big on traveling, you know, still am. And I was like a hardcore shoe person. Doesn't have to necessarily be the most expensive shoes, but I always had to have a lot of variety in my closet when it came to to shoes. And so I did have those moments like, you know, back and forth where I just be like, you know, I need to treat myself here and there. And even while I was working on uh, that last degree, it was easy to say, okay, I work hard. I'm in school. I'm doing all these things to grow personally. And, you know, I have to 
go ahead. You know, it's okay to go out and have a little spa day here and there. So I would do those things periodically. But I can honestly say that once I really made up my mind, I kind of went wholeheartedly like pedal to the metal with, Mm -hmm. you know, getting the finances in order. So the same kind of passion that I had about shopping, I put into not shopping (laughs) and I challenged myself to do these no spin challenges, which is a big, big part for me to just redirect that energy and say, okay, instead of making sure that, you know, I fill up this walk-in closet that I prided myself on previously, (laughs) now I'm going to pride myself on, you know, taking some time off from doing those things. And so I challenged myself to not shop for clothes and shoes. And I went something like a year and a half without buying shoes, which for me is a major, a major feat. Like that was a major accomplishment. And so by doing those no spin challenges periodically, for one, it was kind of fun to challenge myself. I didn't start out saying I was going to go a year and a half. I said, okay, I'm going to just do January. Then I'm going to do February. And then next thing I know, it was six months. And I was like, wow, I really did it. Can I make a year? And it was kind of fun to, you know, to make it a challenge. And so I did that and it really helped me to reset my spending habits. And from there, I, around that time, I started the YouTube channel and started kind of documenting my progress for accountability. And that really helped me to stay on track. And so I can honestly say that I don't really have those, you know, moments when I'm just like in the store and I'm just like, you know, trying to pull my hand back from the rack of clothes, you know, (laughs) I I honestly just, you know, don't even go into the stores like that unless I really, you know, have something that there's a purpose for me going into that Mm -hmm. store. And it really just, it changed my spending habits entirely by just prioritizing and looking at my values and understanding that, you know, I'm no longer about this consumer driven life. I want... Mm -hmm. To, if I'm going to go out and work hard for these dollars, I want to get the best bang for my buck. And, you know, so it's more about saving and investing these days. And you know what's so apparent about your response to that question is that you know what your why is. Like mm-hmm. you are, you know, you are convinced of your why. And I feel like when somebody gets into that space, when they know why it is they're pursuing what they're pursuing, right? There's nothing that can distract them or push them off the rails or like convince them to, to put that reason, right? But to put the pursuit of that reason at risk. Mm-hmm. And you're so convinced of that. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I think that's I amazing. About- um, yeah. The why is so important. It's we really so, have listen, to pay it is, is so important to have a why. Like, I, I cannot stress it. Like, oh my God, like having a why has saved me <laughs> from so many, so many Absolutely. Things. Absolutely. So, you know, and I love the no spend. I'm currently doing a no spend uh, month. I have not successfully, I've not tried to do a year yet. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I thought about it this year and I was like, no, no, no. I've never done a, a no spend year. I mean, and mm-hmm. you know, but I do like occasional months and then I do like spending challenges with friends. So one of my best friends for several years in a row, we didn't do it last year. We did a buy no more than 30 things mm-hmm. uh, a year, which is everything from like clothes, shoes, accessories, earrings, workout clothes, basically whatever you buy for yourself, that's not a gift, can't be more than 30 things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the challenge was to keep it at 20. 
So that stuff is usually fun, especially when you have an accountability partner. And there are so many things that we just didn't buy because, you know, it wasn't worth it and we were competing with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I love those types of challenges. I think that if you can do it with someone who's like-minded, it can inspire you. Like even if you start with people here, no spend month or no spend year, and they're like, oh, these women are crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, but- <laughs> definitely. And it's something, it's something I tell people you have to build up to. Like if you have yeah. to start with a week, start with a no spend week. You don't have to yeah. do a year. You don't, you know, you're going to get overwhelmed exactly. thinking about, okay, going from shopping as recreation to now saying, I'm going to go a whole year without shopping, you know, so start with a week, start with two weeks, start with a specific category. I've done makeup, no buys. I've done no shoes. I've, you know, anything where you feel like you're having a trouble, you know, is a trouble spot for you. Uh, do a, a no dining out challenge for a week or for two weeks, you know, so start small. It doesn't have to be, you know, this all or nothing proposition, you know, start small and build up those muscles. Exactly. You can say, you know what, for one month, I'm going to pick five days where I don't spend any money. Right. There you go. And you can pick you one day every week or two days a week, whatever you like, just make it easy for yourself to succeed. And once you've done it, it becomes easier to increase it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you get those quick wins and then, you know, you're motivated to keep going and do it even bigger and better the next time. Yeah. So I love that. So no spend. Nicole and I are recommending it. Try it out. You know, uh, we can definitely help you focus on your goals. So Nicole, now that you're in the space, you've paid off the debt, you have your business, you know, everything is great. Um, what are some things you're doing to ensure that you just are mindful of building wealth, avoiding mm-hmm. debt, and now building wealth for your children, right? Because you're teaching them money and you want to pass down generational wealth to them as well. Yeah, that my children are a big part of my why. So we actually have three now. So I, I mentioned two earlier. I had the two girls for a long time. And then shortly before I paid off the, made the last payment on the student loans, I gave birth to my son. So we actually have now three, you know, little people to think about saving for college and making sure that they just have a better start in life and that they understand the value of money and the beauty of living a debt-free life. You know, that's something that many of us can't say that we saw growing up, you know, especially in, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Black community and minority communities, a lot of times we don't have that wealth model uh, before us. So we don't, we don't even know Mm -hmm. what that looks like. So a big part of my why is my children having something other than a stack of bills to leave for them when I leave this earth, you know, instead of having, you know, them worry about how to raise money for my funeral expenses and things like that. I want them to have a big old check that they could pick up, you know, shortly yep. after my passing, something that, you know, will let, will stand the test of time. And hopefully I have done my job as a parent and allowed them to understand the importance of money so that they don't blow through what my husband and I worked years and years to build up. So, you know, so that they can also be good stewards over that. So that is a big part of what motivates me to continue going and, you know, in this particular lifestyle and just being able to reclaim more of my time. You know, I did a lot of side hustling during those uh, years after finishing that third degree because I wanted, you know, the debt gone. You know, I did a lot of side hustling, but I traded a lot of my time for those dollars. It, it, It paid off, but now I'm in this space where I really want to, uh, reclaim more of my time. And so I pass up opportunities all the time to make more money. But for me, it's about being able to have that time and spend it in a way that I find valuable. And if it means that I go without buying extra clothes and shoes and stuff that I don't need so that I can 
only work three days a week, then, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. So that's actually the space that I'm in now. And then also just focusing on uh, wealth building, investing incrementally, putting money into the stock market and uh, saving money for college for the kids. And so mm-hmm. it's more about now being able to build up that wealth for myself as opposed to hustling to pay back other people. Now I'm trying to make my money grow and get the most out of it. I love that. And, you know, I just want to highlight some of the things that you've talked about throughout this conversation because it's easy for people to focus on, yeah, Nicole paid off 130K in five years and it was easy for her. So you talked about, number one, your parents having you early. Um, There's no wealth plan, trust fund, none of that, right? You Mm -hmm. went on, Mm -hmm. you got a really expensive education that cost you Mm -hmm. (laughs) $100,000. And then you started paying off this debt when you had two babies, right? Mm -hmm. Working full time, side hustling on the side with those two babies and a husband in order to get to that point five years later, doing no spends, not shopping for a year and a half, all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I highlight these things is because for you to pay off that amount of money and share your story, um, there is a lot of personal sacrifice associated to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through this personal sacrifice. Everybody does. If you're trying to accomplish that big thing that you need to accomplish, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. Like I'm sure you didn't want to be hustling all over the whole place, side hustles when you had two small babies at home. Right. But you did it because you needed to get that debt out of your life to get to this point where you can work three days a week and you can have your own business and you can pay for your kids college and you can save for their generational, you know, the generational legacy that you're building for them. So I just want to I don't want to minimize the personal sacrifice because I think that happens sometimes because we get so excited about the story, mm. forget to highlight that personal sacrifice. And oh, that's yeah. something that everyone has to keep in mind. And it's also important to keep in mind that it's also temporary. There's light on the at the end of the tunnel. You're going to get to the other side, but you have to be willing to make those sacrifices first. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's an amazing point that you make there. You know, the, of course, there are going to be sacrifices, but anything that's worth doing you know, you put in the work and ideally you see, you know, a return on that time and energy that you put in. So yeah, I'm all about side hustles, but I did sacrifice quite a bit. I was working full time at night in a hospital. My husband was managing the girls during the, you know, while I was at work at night. And, you know, it was a lot of time missed because I was out here hustling. And during the day I was teaching college courses at the community college and going without sleep. And, you know, I was probably not the most pleasant person to be around during those years because I was, you know, <laughs> I was not sleeping very much. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't really taking as, you know, good care of my body. I wasn't working out because I was always working all the time, you know, so I don't necessarily, you know, expect everybody to go as hard as I did. But, you know, there are definitely going to be moments when you have to make that sacrifice and you have to say to yourself, is it worth it? And like you said, to know that it's not going to always be that way and things will get better and you'll be able to change your lifestyle as a result of it. Yes, yes, yes. So you you kind of already answered my next question. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit. And it would be, what advice would you give your younger 21-year-old self? Um, 
because <laughs> there is a younger version of you listening to this podcast somewhere that is looking for that encouragement and motivation and just knowing what you know, given your experiences and your life, you know, what would you tell that young girl? Mm. First thing I would, the biggest thing I guess I would share is that you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't snaps, have to prove. Snaps. Yes. Snaps, <laughs> claps, all that, girl. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. And it goes beyond just the, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses. It, it goes beyond, you know, having, wanting to prove something to your neighbors and to your friends. But for me, I really feel like I was in a race against myself, you know, being that that box checker and that goal-oriented person, I was really trying to prove to people that I would make it. I would not be another statistic. I wouldn't be a teen parent. I wouldn't, you know, fall into all of these black holes that people thought I would potentially fall in. I would not fail like so many people, even family members thought that I would because of Mm. where I went to school and where I grew up and how I got my start in life with my parents being teenage parents, you know? So I really think I was trying to prove something, you know, not only to other people, but to myself, that I could achieve this success. And the way that I thought I had to display that success was having that luxury car, having the new car, um, Mm -hmm. having the new house, and having certain types of, you know, trappings of success. And really what I did was box myself in, in in an effort to try to prove people that oh, you know, I can get out of Baltimore. I can, you know, earn these degrees. I can get this this doctorate degree and have, you know, certain letters after my name and all these different things. But I boxed myself in because I didn't really have a plan to do it in a debt-free way. And so that's one thing I would just tell my younger self is that, you know what, pursue the things that you want because you want to pursue those things, not because you have to prove anything to anybody. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Like, honestly, you know, we've all gone through, especially when you're younger, you go through phases where you, you may be envious of what somebody has, or you want to prove to people that you can do better. You can be better. You're better than them, whatever it is. Right. But you have to bring it back to what truly matters to your life and what quality of life do you want to have for yourself? And once you're clear on that, everything else doesn't mean anything, you know, and when you really think about it, those people don't care. They really don't. They don't. Maybe maybe they think about you for a few minutes, you know, during the day, but really they're focused on their own problems. You know, like, oh, that's great. Selfish. Oh, look. Selfish. They don't care about you. She bought that car. (laughs) Wow. Nice for her. But guess what? You know what? I got to fix my tires. I got to get a new job. They're focused on their own personal problems. They really don't care. You know, so you care about yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. People are selfish. That's just the way it is. So, you know, don't don't box yourself in. Don't get into debt over your head because you're trying to prove something to other people. Because like you said, they may pay attention for 30 seconds, but then they're on to something else. And so that's just no way to live your life. You know, so I think that just comes with maturity, you know, with the years of just understanding more of who I am as a person. And, you know, especially once I hit my 30s, especially, I was just like, I really don't care what nobody thinks. I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. And I'm, you know, I'm even more, I guess, brazen with with it. I'm just like, I really don't care what people think about me. I'm really trying to live my life in a way that I'm able to get value from it, spend my time in the way that I want and be able to build this legacy for my kids. And what people think, you know, it's very, very low on the totem pole of my priorities. And you know, Nicole, when I first met you, I already knew that. Like, you just, 
you carry yourself in a way that you're so confident about yourself and you're just not worried about what anybody else is. You're not faced, you're not stressed because your finances are in order too. And (laughs) (laughs) that definitely helps. (laughs) It definitely helps. Like you have that aura around you of like, you know what? I'm good. (laughs) You can think whatever, but I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so freeing. It's so freeing. It really is. Thank you so much for for saying that. But it is so (laughs) freeing to just, you know, no longer really care what other people think. You know, my thing is, is my family's good. You know, the the things that I'm doing in my life, is it pleasing to God? You know, ultimately, that's, that's what's most important to me. Yes, yes. So I'd love for you to tell me, what is your Clever Girl superpower? My Clever Girl superpower is frugality. It's not about being cheap. It's not about penny pinching. You know, frugal people are concerned about wealth as well. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're all stuck down and, you know, penny pinching every every little dollar. But frugality, I think, is my superpower because it really allowed me to be a good steward over the things that I have, be more appreciative over the things that I have, the money that I earn as well. And it just allowed me to, you know, be really thrifty with the things that I have and make my money work for me. Absolutely. And that's, that's amazing. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being frugal, you know, and there is a difference between frugal and being cheap and people who are cheap just because they're cheap doesn't mean that they're good with money. A lot of people are cheap and they're terrible with money because they're so cheap. Right. Yes, that's a <laughs> that great cheap, point. Cheap gets really expensive real quick when you're trying extra hard to be real cheap. And you guys who are listening, you know, like you know the difference between frugal and cheap. There's some people that, you know, in fact, if I start talking about that <laughs> we could be going, we could be I, going here for I've hours. Had, I've had experiences of, you know, and even I have tried to be cheap in my lifetime, where I know that if I buy this thing, it's gonna last me all of two days versus investing the money to buy the better thing that I need or you know, whatever that will last me two years. And then the thing breaks and I end up buying 27 more of these things that I need <laughs> in my life. And when I add up the cost of the 27 things. It costs 10 times more than if I just paid top dollar for it at the mm-hmm. beginning. That's exactly. Cheap. Don't do that. It wastes yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, do not do that. <laughs> and so you can all think of instances where, you know, there's there's something I was so I was telling my friend, there's um there's a Nigerian saying called money misfrowed, right? Mm. And there are two types of people. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to money, Miss Frode, we were looking up online. And so there's a first category, right, that will spend, like, they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. And they will spend, like, you know, a million dollars on, like, a pencil, right? That's, like, basically money, Miss Frode. There's no plan for this money. Just spend it because you got it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other ones who are the cheap people that they they look, they sound, they live cheap. And you know, basically in their will, it's like, I'm going to live the struggle life all days of my life. And then when I die, dig a big enough hole and bury all my money with me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The other type of, I mean, I'm exaggerating here, but you know, Uh and so (laughs) you don't want to, you want to be smart with your money. You don't want to be the person buying a million dollar pen, right? When you can give back, help others, build legacies. And you also don't want to be that person who lives a struggle life when you know you don't have to, and then you die and they bury you with all your money. And then what happens? It turns to mold in the grave. Mm -hmm. What's the point of that? So anyway, just random. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, that's great. No, that's great. I love those little, you know, like cultural things that bring it all (laughs) together because we all have them. them. Yeah. 
So Nicole, um, this has been awesome. I appreciate you sharing your story and having this conversation with me to talk money and your personal journey. And I'd love for you to share with people how they can keep up with you and what you have going on, um, you know, with your business and et cetera. Sure. So I can be found on all social media platforms at Frugal Chic Life. I would say most of the time you can find me there. I'm, I was uh, saying before, I'm a Gen Xer, you know, but I have sort of millennial tendencies at times. <laughs> but when it comes to social media, I'm definitely a Gen Xer. So sometimes I do, you know, just go ghost a little bit <laughs> because I'm just not that, you know, social media. Nicole, your birthday's in December. You're a Gen Xer by like two months. By two months, no. That's why I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like right on the cusp of, you know, like millennials. So I go back and forth. It's like a, you know, a push and pull, you know. Of between Gen X and Millennials. So I, I claim both camps. I, I claim both <laughs> camps. But you can find me on all social media platforms, Instagram and what have you, Facebook at Frugal Chic Life. And my website is frugalchiclife.com. My YouTube channel and podcast are also by the same name. So you can find me anywhere on the internet at Frugal Chic Life. And I'll be sure to put those links in the show notes. And again, thank you so much, Nicole, for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Bola. I really appreciate having this open and honest conversation with you. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this episode with Nicole and you are inspired and motivated to go out and tackle achieving your own financial goals. Be sure to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have a ton of awesome content from blog posts to videos to free resources and our courses. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do. You can subscribe everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and be sure to tell your girlfriends all about it too. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you on the next episode.